Welcome to r slash, a podcast where I read the best posts from across Reddit. Today's subreddit is r slash malicious compliance, where a scummy landlord gets exactly what she asked for. Our next Reddit post is from Colin Trackstar. At my job, people are allowed to take smoke breaks. So my coworkers who smoke will take about 5 to 10 breaks a day, and each of these breaks is 5 to 15 minutes long. And on top of that, all of these smoke breaks are paid. The non-smokers, who are surprisingly in the minority, 7 people out of 25 people, asked if they could take a break too when the smokers take a break. The manager said those breaks are only for smokers, and if everyone took those breaks, then they would fall behind. As I'm sure you can realize, this is BS. So I went online to Amazon, and I bought all my non-smoking coworkers herbal smokes, which are tobacco, nicotine, and additive-free. Basically, they're just cigarettes filled with tea leaves. So, us seven non-smokers started taking our own smoke breaks, but doing it in a different part of the building to avoid secondhand smoke. The manager comes out and starts yelling at us, asking us what we're doing. You guys don't smoke, you should be working! To which we kindly pointed out that we had all decided to start smoking, and that we were just taking the same breaks that everyone else was. This lasted four days before the manager set limit on how many and how long smoke breaks are, and he also let non-smokers take the same breaks too. Also, I'm not sure about the health effects of herbal smokes, but considering that we just lit the ends on fire and then stood against the wall like some guys outside a club from the 80s, I think we're fine. Down in the comments, we have this story from Ordinary Bloke. A little malicious compliance of my own here. I used to work in the office, and at the time I was a smoker. I was expected to clear a certain volume of work a day, but I easily cleared double that. When a manager called me out about the occasional smoke break, I pointed out that since I did the work of two people, did 10 minutes twice a day really matter? He said, no, you can only smoke on your official breaks. So I reverted to meeting only my benchmarks exactly. He ended up having to hire another person to cover the excess outstanding volume of work. Our next Reddit post is from my hate usernames too. Arkansas is well known for having laws that lean heavily on the side of the property owner, which leaves the renter pretty vulnerable to owners who want to be difficult, to say the least. Or at least they did when I lived there. I doubt much has changed since. So I move into town and find a two-bedroom, two-bathroom apartment, intending for it to be a short period of time while I scout the town and look for a more permanent place. As for paying rent, they wouldn't accept an automatic monthly check from my bank or charge my debit card monthly. It had to be an actual paper check from me with a four-day late fee window. I hate writing checks, and I had the cash, so I paid out the 12-month lease all at once. I find a great place about six months later. I'm thinking that I'll just break my lease and pay the extra one-month penalty and walk away from my apartment. I call and let them know that I'll be moving out, and long conversation short, the way the lease is written makes you think that's how it works, when in reality, at a second or third read, it's clear that I'm still liable for the entire 12-month lease. And if I break the lease, it essentially adds a 13-month worth of rent money. Knowing that up front, why anybody would break this lease is beyond me. So, at this point, I've already made the deposits on my new place when all this comes to light, so I'm stuck with two apartments. I tell the apartment complex that I won't be moving out, and I figure that I'll just go ahead and let the lease run out, set the AC to 80, and open the breakers to keep costs low. I slowly move my stuff to my new place, since I have plenty of time now. And at the end of the move, I left my ironing board and iron behind, because I never really use them anyways. About two months later, I get a call from the power company asking if it's okay to transfer power into somebody else's name. 
Shocked, I reply, absolutely not, while laughing a little on the inside. I decide to give it a day before I call my old apartment complex. The first thing next morning, I get a call from the apartment complex with a super snarky entitled tone, and I hear, We need you to drop the power from your name so the new tenant can take over and move in. I explain that I still have an active lease on that apartment, and I can't fathom why they'd rent it out. She accuses me of abandonment, and therefore she's allowed to rent my apartment. I replied with, I rent that apartment with the sole purpose of having somewhere to iron my clothes. Did you not see my iron and ironing board there? She said that she did, and that she took it to the office to get it out of the apartment. We go back and forth on the semantics for a little bit. I let her know that I'm open to receiving a refund to the date on the new tenant's lease, and at that time, I'd be happy to drop my name from the power bill. She refused, and the call ended with getting her boss's number from corporate. I mentioned to her boss that I can recognize a breach of contract when I see it, and nowhere in the lease does it actually say that I have to live there. Also, her employee admitted to entering my apartment and stealing my things. She quickly assured me that she was sending me a check in the mail that day to refund my money. And she told me that I could go to the office to pick up my iron and board anytime. So back when I was in college, I had this apartment on one side of the street. And while I was at that apartment, it was just like a one bedroom, one bathroom. I got a girlfriend who's now my wife. Anyway, we had to move to a bigger apartment because there was two of us now. So we found an apartment that was actually literally right across the street from us. And it was owned by the same company. However, the really awkward thing was that my lease on the old apartment ended on, let's say, the 15th, and the lease on the new apartment started on the 16th. So, according to the contract, I had to move all of my stuff out of my old apartment by the 15th, but I couldn't move it into my new apartment until the 16th. So I called up my landlord, and they wouldn't budge, and for a while, it was seriously looking like I was going to have to just leave all my stuff on the side of the street for that night until I can move in the next day. Luckily, the property manager was actually a decent guy, so when I got him on the phone and explained what was going on, he was like, oh yeah, don't worry about it, we'll give you the key a day early. So I got super lucky, because the way that both of my contracts were written, I really had no other choice. Our next Reddit post is from My Nuts Are Musical. A few years back now, I worked for a small locally owned company owned by two friends. The company was going strong when I started, but after 10 years there, the place was going downhill fast. One day, we discovered the bosses hadn't been making superannuation payments to us for over two years, so they owed tens of thousands of dollars to all the employees. In my country, superannuation payments are basically a retirement fund that employers are supposed to pay their employees. This was the final straw for me, and I gave them my two weeks notice. Since I was basically the last manager there, most of the employees also quit with me, and this really pissed off the owners who thought that I was somehow overreacting. I made them promise they would pay me what was owed, or I would get the tax agency involved. A few weeks later, I got an email with payments that were significantly less than what I was owed. When I emailed them back, they told me they had taken hours that I owed in time in lieu of what was owed in superannuation payments. And if I had a problem with that, then they would have no issue speaking to the authorities about the hours that I stole from them. This is, of course, highly illegal. First of all, we didn't have a contract laying out that I would have to repay owed hours. Secondly, they most definitely can't take money from my superannuation payments. I decided not to reply, save the email, and go straight to the tax agency. 
This took a very long time because the process is very slow. But after about a year and speaking to several different tax representatives, I one day got a call out of the blue from one of the owners. This was a very angry, threatening call, asking why I'd reported them to the tax agency and why I was determined to ruin their lives. I told him exactly why I did it and that he reaped what he sowed. A few days later, I got an email from the tax agency telling me my old employers would be repaying me all the money that was owed to me plus the interest accrued over three years that they didn't pay. They were also put on the government's blacklist, forcing them to sell the company. OP, what's with that emotional phone call? Why'd you report us? What did we ever do to you? Uh, you stole from me? Oh, oh yeah. Our next Reddit post is from Dory Antilus. So around July of last year, I was coming up on the end of my contract for a big national gym chain. So I try to call and get directions to cancel, and I get a voicemail box that's full. I call their 800 number, and I'm told the local office can cancel me. I call my bank and ask if I can block the auto debit, but because it's a check debit, they can only block a specific amount, and there's a fee. I scan my contract, and it says that I have to cancel in writing with 30 days notice regardless of my contract end date. I'm pretty furious at this point because the gym was closed completely due to COVID, and I was just wasting money. I hadn't been too concerned while my contract was going, but now I just wanted to end my association with them. I write them a letter with my membership number, email, phone number, and I send it certified with my FOB. Two months later, I notice that I'm still being charged, and they've billed me an additional 60 bucks for my annual access fee. Now, I'm livid. I find the customer service email, and I explain the situation with the specific dates of calls, letters, and attempted visits to the office. I ask them to cancel my membership, as well as refund me for the past several months and the annual renewal. I receive a rather curt response saying that they'll start my cancellation, but I'll have one more monthly charge because there's a 30-day notice. I respond asking them to actually read my message because I already did send them a 30-day notice. Apparently, the local manager had been letting mail pile up because they didn't even have someone at the office part-time. So, no one has seen my letter. I mention this to the email rep. He tells me to read my contract if I have any questions, so I do. It turns out, near the end of this very long document in section 20.1, it states the following. Unexpected events. We are not responsible if members can't use our club because of an event caused by natural force, such as fire or flood, or a road or building closure or something similar beyond our reasonable control. If this continues for more than 30 days, then either you or we may cancel this agreement immediately by written notice. No fee will apply. So, I respond with this new knowledge that I have, and I point out the gym has been closed 90 days prior to my original letter. I also threaten the following if they don't refund me back my original contract end date. 1. I will personally pay people to picket their gym. 2. I will hand out flyers telling people about this provision of the contract, so others in the middle of their contract will be able to cancel without a fee. 3. I'll publish an article in our local online newspaper about the trouble I've had with them, and I'll offer advice to others. Also, I make it clear that I have all the documentation, including phone statements, to prove that it's all true. Three days later, I was called by a regional director with an apology and a full refund of over $240 that had been inappropriately taken and a little extra. For those wondering, I'm sharing this now because I understand that many people have gone through this and you deserve to know how not to be abused. 
And remember, if someone tells you to read your contract, do it. Our next Reddit post is from Brostentatious. Many years ago, I used to work as a web developer in a medical center where the people who worked there were, let's say, tenured. There were lots of comfortable people who had been working there for over eight years. Not the least of all was our manager, who had been there for over 20 years and fancied herself a dictator. I was the youngest there, followed by the other developer. We formed the engineering team, just the two of us. We had content creators, support people, designers, etc. But the engineering was just me and this other person. We'll call her Lucy. Lucy and I would show up at around the same time every day between 9 and 9.30. No big deal, we thought, since we typically ate quick lunches at our desk and we stayed long after 5 to actually get some focus time in and get stuff done. Our manager typically showed up early, around 7.30 or 8, and would leave the office at 3.30 or 4 to skip traffic. Now, at some point, our manager was on some sort of power trip and decided that it was necessary to call a full team meeting to inform us that work starts at 9, not 9.15. Not 9.30, but 9. Me, being a young smartass, decided to fight this tyranny and asked her, what time does work end? To which she very calmly stated, 5 o'clock. So I asked her, how come she leaves at 4? She explained that she shows up early, and therefore, she gets to leave early. I was on autopilot, because the next thing I said was, but I thought work starts at 9, so how come you show up early? She explained that she made special arrangements with the higher-ups, and therefore, she was exempt from the rule. So Lucy and I stopped showing up late, but instead, we showed up exactly at 9 every day, took a full hour for lunch, and left exactly at 5. Meetings all day and work due tomorrow? Sorry, but work ends at 5. Working on an issue where stopping halfway means that it would take longer to pick up tomorrow? Sorry, but work ends at 5. After about a month of this, our backlog is piling up, our clients are complaining, and my manager is fuming at our reduced output. She sits us down and asks us why this is happening. We calmly explain that with meetings, an hour lunch, and work starting at 9 and ending at 5, there just isn't enough time in the day to get all this stuff done. She dropped the policy the next day and instead issued a core hours policy of 10 to 3 where everyone is expected to be in the office. Isn't it awful that your boss will always flip out if you're just a couple of minutes late, but if you stay an hour late, then no one bats an eye, as long as you don't incur overtime. That was our slash malicious compliance. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.